You're listening to a podcast from Red Sea Church, a community of faith in Portland, Oregon, whose mission is to draw to Christ, develop in community, and deploy into culture. Well, Anne, thank you for that. Um, I really needed that prayer this morning. I, uh, I find myself, the longer this lasts, the longer this isolation lasts, my heart just keeps getting harder, and I just keep becoming more and more graceless. Uh, and so I need to be reminded of the grace that, I've, that I am receiving from God. If we're going to continue to be able to give grace to one another, but give grace to the neighbor next door that Billy and Tara sang about in that song, uh, we need God, and we need to be reminded of his justice and his generosity and his love. And so that's my hope for us this morning as we open up our Bibles and we continue in this series on the book of Jonah. Um, just a week ago, uh, we as God's people were able to celebrate Good Friday and Easter. Uh, Good Friday, a reminder of the, the sacrificial work of Christ, the atoning work of Christ on the cross for each of us, but then also to be able to celebrate Resurrection Sunday, to be able to celebrate a, a new creation, a resurrection and the life that it brings to all of us. And although I was disappointed that we could not get together physically and celebrate uh, on Easter Sunday, I think it's God's grace that he allowed us to experience and celebrate Easter in the midst of this pandemic because God is in the work of restoration. That's what the cross and the resurrection was all about is God's redeeming work of restoration in this broken world. And I truly believe that this pandemic has allowed us to see the brokenness all around us, the brokenness of creation, to groan with all the pain that we are surrounded with. But imagine this church, we are just now being able to experience a little taste of something that God has known for a very, very long time, something that God has felt for a very, very long time. And I believe it's in this season that God is coming to us in his word from the prophets and speaking to us once again, just like he did so many years ago. And I believe that message is about God's heart. And are our hearts aligned with God's? And I know that's a message that I need to hear this morning. So I'd invite you guys, open up to Jonah. We're going to be looking at chapter four, so you can turn to that chapter. But uh, I'm going to just kind of talk about the first couple of chapters. So Jonah is a prophet who's called to bring a message of God's justice and also God's love to a town called Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was situated about 500 miles northeast of Israel. Uh, the Ninevites would have been one of the enemies of Israel, the one of the ones that Amos would have come and, and prophesied against that we talked about uh, two weeks ago. Well, after Amos, after Jeroboam and Jeroboam II uh, comes to reign in Israel, the kingdom is still really flourishing during this time, and they've expanded the northern boundaries of Israel into Assyria and into the area where Ninevites are. Uh, there's been a lot of fighting, and the Assyrian Empire is losing during this season. Well, as you can imagine, 
all that comes along with this is not only battling Israel, the Assyrians are also having to battle all of their surrounding neighbors, and they are losing the battle to those neighbors as well. So we're starting to see a part of the downfall of the Assyrian Empire. So you can imagine there's widespread famine during this time in Assyria. And to top it all off, historically, right before Jonah comes to Nineveh, there is a solar eclipse. Now, try to, try to imagine all of that. You're, you're living in Nineveh, which has been a very, very prosperous town because of its location. Now, all of a sudden, your empire is losing the battle. Famine is spreading across the land. There's been a solar eclipse, which, is, which to those people have always been celestial signs, have always been signs from the gods. And in this scenario comes this Jew, comes this Jonah character and begins to bring a message to all of them. Now, the only reason that I believe they're even open to Jonah's message is because all of their other gods have failed them. As Assyrians, they had many gods that they worshipped, but those gods were not providing for them during this time during this time. And all of a sudden Jonah comes, he starts talking about this God, Yahweh. See, it's in these moments when, uh, when our world comes crashing down around us, that God sends messengers into our lives. Many of you have walked that journey before in your life, probably before you were a Christian, God used something in your life, something to grab hold of you, some type of trial or suffering or crisis that made you open to a different type of worldview, a, a different God. See, right now, I believe God's doing the same thing here in our area. The, the dominant worldview here in the, in the Pacific Northwest is what I would call moral therapeutic deism. Moral therapeutic deism. It, it says things like, be the change you want to see in the world. Now, that's a great message, and I don't want to criticize that message. It just doesn't go that far during a pandemic. And just as God calls Jonah to be a light to the nations, he's also called us to be messengers of hope and restoration. And my question to all of us today as the people of God today and to myself this week, what am I doing with that message, that message of restoration, that message of hope? Now, I know the story of Jonah is familiar, but I'm just going to... Uh, retell just a portion of it real quick in case anybody's not familiar with the story. So as the story goes, God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh to call the people to repent. Instead, what does Jonah do? He gets on a ship and he heads in the opposite direction. Well, God sends a storm and as the, and it threatens to sink the ship and kill everyone on board. So the sailors cast lots to figure out whose God is controlling the storm and trying to drown them. Well, the lot falls against Jonah, and they go to Jonah and say, uh, what's the problem here, man? And Jonah admits and says, yes, I'm running from my God. And so in order to appease the God of Jonah, Jonah is thrown into the, into the sea. Well, a fish swallows Jonah. It's, God's, it's a form of grace that saved Jonah's life. Jonah spends three days in the belly of the fish. And then on the third day, he prays this prayer of confession uh, to God, acknowledging God's sovereignty, that he's going to save whoever he wants. And we find out later that Jonah actually doesn't believe that. He just wants God to save him. 
But it says the fish throws him up on dry land. Jonah then goes to Nineveh. He preaches this message of repentance. He tells them about Yahweh. And it says that all 120,000 people from the king all the way down to the animals repent. Well, in response, this makes Jonah furious. So this is where we're going to pick up here in chapter four. And what God's going to do here in this dialogue with Jonah, what I believe Jonah does with his readers is he diagnoses our hearts. So God enters into a conversation with Jonah to, die, to diagnose his heart, have a little heart surgery. And I'm asking that God does the same thing on us this morning. Would he do a little heart surgery on us? Heart surgery on some of the motivations that are going on in here. So let's look at it together in Jonah 4, verses 1 through 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are gracious, that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? So that's the first question that God's going to go before Jonah and ask him and all of his um, complaining, basically. He says, Jonah, do you have any right to be angry? So think about this. Jonah admits that he would rather die than see Nineveh saved. Now, all of a sudden, we're understanding what's going on in Jonah's heart. We understand that he ran from God because he knew that God would forgive the Ninevites. And he just doesn't think that they deserve forgiveness. We also learn that Jonah submitted to going to Nineveh, not because he was in the belly of the not because he cared about these people, because he just wanted to remove himself from the circumstances that he was in. God is going to do work in his heart. So this shows us that inside Jonah's heart, he's really battling with legalism. And this legalism has led to entitlement. See, Jonah would have made a a pretty good Pharisee because he wanted to receive the grace of God. He just didn't want to be able to give that grace back out to anyone else. We see this in two prayers that Jonah prays. Look at them. The first one is in chapter 2, verses 2. This is what he prays when he's inside the fish. He says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. And out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. Well, now look at his prayer in 4 2. Oh, Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Well, what Jonah does in that prayer, he actually quotes out of the book of Exodus a very well-known quote that God had given about himself to the people of Israel. So this is what they would have quoted out loud about this is who God is. Look at it in Exodus 34, 6 through 7. It says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, who will by no means clear the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. See, God knows, Jonah Jonah knows that God is merciful. He's seen God's faithfulness. He's been telling these stories of God's mercy for generations up until this point. 
He just doesn't want to, other people to experience God's mercy. He would rather the Ninevites get the whole iniquity of the fathers on the children for generation after generation. And God turns to Jonah and he asks, why are you angry? Because, you know, I gave grace to you and you so easily accepted it. See, Jonah was disobedient. God punished him. He repented. God restored him. Nineveh was disobedient. They were evil in the sight of the Lord. They repented and God relented of his justice. See, church, I believe that God is surrounding us with people who right now desperately need his grace and they need his message. They need to hear the message of restoration and of love. But I have to wonder, like Jonah, have we received this grace? Do we just sing about it in these songs? Yet are we really caring if anybody else receives that grace? See, when you realize that you've received something that you don't deserve, it should make you incredibly generous. So I really had to ask myself this week, and the question that God asked me, am I hoarding the grace of God? Most of us are about to get a check this week from the government. Some of you guys have already gotten it, and I don't know how you feel about that or not. It's going to happen. And I believe that it is a form of God's grace. Now, I have to ask us, what are we going to do with God's grace to us? Because sometimes God's grace is given to us because it's meant to be God's grace through us to someone else. We have people in our church community who have lost jobs during this season. It may be that God wants you to give that money to them. We have people all over the world who are starving while the majority of us continue to have our jobs and are continue to provide for ourselves. We look at that check and say, oh, man, this is going to be awesome because I can finally do that renovation of my home I've always wanted. I can finally put the down payment on that vehicle that I've always wanted. I can finally get that, that, that sleeve tattoo that I've always wanted. Maybe God's grace to you is meant to be God's grace through you. Let's, let's ask God what he wants to do. Because I believe through our generosity, we can display something incredibly true about what we believe about God and who he is. Well, God's going to continue in this conversation with Jonah. Look at verse uh, five through nine. Jonah went out to the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he, till, till he should see what would become of the city. So Jonah's still thinking that God's going to like rain down fire and brimstone, like a Sodom and Gomorrah is going to happen here. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and it made it cover up over Jonah that it might be shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die. And he said, it's better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. Wow. So the second question that God asked Jonah is, do you do well to be angry for things that are outside of your control? See, if Jonah's not getting this message, God's going to give him a, a visual analogy of what he's talking about. 
So God provides his plan. It grows up over Jonah's tent that he made. And Jonah rejoices. He says, thank you, God, for your generosity and your grace to me. Thank you for delivering me. Thank you for saving me. It's the same as he did when he was in the belly of the fish. God then brings a worm and he eats the plant. And when Jonah awakes the next day, it's dead. And not only is it dead, God then appoints this scorching east wind and Jonah wishes that he were dead. So what's the obvious lesson that God's teaching Jonah here? It's God who appointed the plant. It's God who appointed the worm. God appointed the sun. God appointed the wind. God wants Jonah to realize that he gives grace and he takes it away. This is the same valuable lesson that Job had to learn. Let's look at it in Job 38 verses 1 through 11. This is at the very end, Job's response uh, and God in their dialogue. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you will make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who determines its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? And what were its bases sunk? And, and who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut in the seas with the doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made clouds its garments and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, thus far shall you come and no farther. And here shall your proud waves be stayed. Man, that's an amazing truth that we all need to remember right now. See, God, before the foundations of the world, knew that we were going to come to this moment in our history. He knew that this pandemic would happen, just like he knew every other one that has ever happened. I saw this kind of, um, I found it funny, quote on Facebook this week. We'll put it up on the screen. Um, and I think it's funny because we're reading Jonah for one thing, but it's funny in light of our circumstances. And the quote was, whoever's supposed to go to Nineveh, just go all the way. Right. I mean, just can we please just have this whole thing in? Well, the reality of the, the situation is this pandemic will end when God chooses for it to end. This suffering will stop when God chooses for it to stop. I was listening to uh, John Piper's new book, Coronavirus in Christ. Uh, this week, uh, we put a link to it in the newsletter uh, and in typical Piper fashion. Uh, he was talking about the sovereignty of God, like he is well known to do. But, uh, but he said something that really caught me. He said, we are fine with the sovereignty of God until it affects our bodies. Think about that. We're fine with the sovereignty of God until it affects our bodies. But the human body is so precious to us that we just have a hard time seeing God's sovereignty. I think it's situations like we find ourselves in today. And our response to that can either be a Jonah response. We can sulk like Jonah and how God is choosing to dispense his grace, or we can display the sovereignty of God. And by that, I think there's some real practical ways that we can live out that, that trust in God right now. And we do it by not hoarding our resources. We can do it by taking risks to serve the vulnerable. We can even do it by working our jobs faithfully as Christians because the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Our response in either situation should be, 
blessed be the name of the Lord. All of what I have has been given to me as a grace from God. And I am as tired as you guys of staying home. I am, I'm tired of, of living through the same routine every day. I'm tired of doing Zoom calls already. But this is God's grace on us right now. And I'm going to rejoice in the grace of God. I'm going to, I am going to uh, be gracious toward my family, even though I'm getting kind of sick of my family because we're spending a ton of time together. I'm going to be gracious to my neighbors because God is surrounding me with these people. All of what I am experiencing is God's grace being lavishly poured upon me right now. Let's live that out. Lastly, look at what God says to Jonah in verses 10 through 11. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? The last question that God asked Jonah is, should I not be concerned about this great city? God says, Jonah, you didn't make this plant grow. You exerted no labor in its tending. It's a creature of one day. If you feel so concerned about that plant, what about the 120,000 immortal souls living in Nineveh who've been created in my image? whom I sustain to life to this day, who I've orchestrated all of these astrological and historical events to happen so that you would come and preach the gospel to them, my image bearers, who are forever destined to be with me or not with me based on your response to them. If you care about this plant, should I not care about this city? That hit me like a dagger this week. And I think about all the things that I'm worried about, all the things that I'm disgruntled about right now. And to think of the millions of people that surround us who do not know God. Church, we live in Nineveh. But instead of 120,000, there's 2.4 million people in the Portland metro area. And most of them do not know of the sovereignty and the grace of God. And they are like Nineveh, trapped in their sinful lifestyles. They do not know their left from their right. Does our heart break for this city? Does our heart break for our neighbors? Do we need to repent? Because like Jonah, are we just taking care of ourselves and not thinking about anybody else? See, God, he's just digging into Jonah's heart and he's trying to show Jonah his lack of compassion toward his creation. But more importantly, what God is doing in Jonah, he's telling Jonah that he does not know him. God's saying, you don't know me if this is your response. See, when God's forgiven people are sent out as his representatives to the world, to reach God's image bearers and they refuse to give grace to those who have surrounded them, it's because they do not know God. Well, Jonah, he's going to end this message with this question, and it's just meant to leave us sitting in silence. Because Jonah, as the writer, he wants us 
and the Jewish audience to wrestle with that question. Does my heart care about the same things that God cares about? Does my heart hurt for the things that God's heart hurts? See, having our hearts softened to the ways of God is meant to be a sign of the new covenant. The prophet Jeremiah talked about this in the new covenant in chapter 31, verse 33. I'll put it up here on the screen. It says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now we know historically that Israel refuses to soften their hearts. And I believe Jonah here is meant to be a representative of the nation of Israel. And the way that God is speaking to him, he's speaking to all of Israel. Where they're going to refuse to soften their hearts toward the ways of God. To get to, instead of telling other nations about Yahweh, they're just going to become like other nations. And God's going to use those other nations like Nineveh and like Assyria. They're going to recover. They're going to attack Israel and they're going to, be a part of the deportation. But in the midst of all of that, God had this plan to demonstrate an act of grace that would be written on the hearts of the people that would make God's grace toward Nineveh pale in comparison. Well, we know that work of grace written on the hearts of people. We celebrated just a week ago on Good Friday. See, Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days because of his obedience, because of his disobedience toward the will of God. Jesus will be in the ground for three days because of his obedience toward the will of God. Jonah, he begrudgingly preached a message of repentance for three days. Jesus joyfully preached repentance for three years. Jonah sulked over looking Nineveh because of God's grace toward the Ninevites. Jesus wept over Jerusalem because he knew that they were not going to repent. Jonah was a messenger of the grace of God. Jesus was the medium of that grace. He modeled that grace for all of us. It's the standard at which we are to give grace to others. Jesus, during his life in Matthew 12, he gives this startling warning. We're just going to tell you guys about it because it happens throughout the entire chapter to religious people who refuse to soften their hearts. Jesus says, I condemn your religious activities. You're a brood of vipers. You're a rotten tree, all because you refuse to give grace toward others that's been given to you. And Jesus in Matthew 12 tells them that Nineveh will judge them because they are the only ones who repented. See, when we find ourselves becoming graceless like Jonah, the cure to a graceless heart is to look at the grace of Jesus that's been extended to us. Maybe you, like me, need to repent of a lack of grace. We need to turn away from that and we need to turn toward the grace that's been given us through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God not a result of works, so that no one may boast. I pray that today God's done some some heart surgery on us. I want you guys to now uh, get your communion supplies together. 
We're going to get ready to receive communion. We have this beautiful act of grace, this, this, this uh, symbol to remember what's been extended to us. And while we get those supplies together, Billy's going to play in the background. And I just want to lead us in a, in a quick prayer, and then we'll have time to respond in communion and worship. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your message and your word. Thank you for speaking to us that yeah, thousands of years ago, you allowed this tragedy to happen around Nineveh so that they would turn to you. And today you're allowing a tragedy to happen around all of us, God. And I would just ask that you continue to do a powerful work of bringing people into your kingdom as their, uh, as their gods of security are destroyed, as the, as the God of my body is destroyed, as the God of my finances is destroyed. Would you open up the hearts of our culture who do not know you, the hearts of the people that you surrounded us with, Father, that they would know you during this time. And would you please give us the words to speak to them? You, Jesus, when you were here, you told your disciples that you would give them the words to speak. And so we'd ask that you would do that, Father, but also would you just soften our hearts to be gracious, that the people of God during this season would be known as a gracious people because we've received much grace. And would it overflow through us? I just ask that you would do that in the power of your Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please visit us at www.redseachurch.org or contact us at info at redseachurch.org.